I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there. I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. We are going to make something magical today. It's a popular Mexican dessert called mini chocoflanes. Actually, the chocoflan is the popular Mexican dessert. This is a mini version. These are also called impossible cakes because they are one of those recipes where you put things into the pan in a particular order, and then as it bakes, it inverts itself and everything switches sides. And then to bring everything back to rights again, you serve it by turning it upside down. So this is a combination of chocolate cake and vanilla flan, which is kind of like a stiff vanilla pudding or a a custard, more like a custard. And then there is a caramel sauce on the top that kind of drips down over the sides and flavors both the flan and the cake underneath. This is not a hard recipe, but it does use a lot of equipment. So I'll be sure to give you the list of that before you start. Let's talk first about the ingredients. The first thing you're going to have to find, and I use that word intentionally because it isn't easy to find, is something called cajeta, which is actually pretty much a dulce de leche, but you don't want to use regular dulce de leche for this because it's too thick and the flans won't do their magical impossible inversion thing if you use regular dulce de leche. But if you can find it, you're looking for something that's a Mexican caramel topping. The one I have in my hand is by a company called Coronado, and it's made with goat's milk. And that's what makes it special. It's thinner, but it also has a kind of a mm-hmm, really hard to describe, but a little bit sharper kind of flavor to it. Not quite as sweet as dense or as rich as regular dulce de leche, which, by the way, if you want to make your own regular dulce de leche for something other than this recipe, there is a podcast for that recipe on the cookalongpodcast.com. It's very easy. You don't do anything, really. 
<laughs> so if you like dulce de leche, you might look up how to do that. And then you can have it in your home, ready to go whenever you want it, because it'll keep until you're ready for it. But back to this recipe, we do not want that dulce de leche here because it messes up the chemistry. I searched in a couple of Mexican groceries and a couple of really big grocery stores. And it was tricky to find because a lot of the bottles, they don't say they're made with goat's milk. If they just say caramel topping or dulce de leche, they are not made with goat's milk. And like I said, that's an important component here to get the flavor right and the texture right and the magic right. If you cannot find this, you can try a regular store-bought caramel sauce that isn't incredibly dense. Maybe you might be able to do, but keep in mind that we don't want something really thick. If you're trying to figure out what's too thick, it's a little tricky, but the bottle I just told you about, the Coronado caramel topping made with goat's milk, it's squeezable out of a squeeze bottle. So if you're picking up a jar, you know you're going to have to spoon into because it's not going to pour or squeeze at all, then it's too thick. This is a little runnier. It's more like, I don't know, like a caramel sauce that you would get in a coffee shop if they make their own. In fact, now that I'm thinking about that in that way, I think Tarani makes one. What have I got here? Yeah, there's a Tarani caramel sauce. Uh, Starbucks may sell one. It just has to be thin enough to be squeezed out of a bottle. But I am hoping you'll take the time and trouble to track down some of the goat's milk cajeta. It doesn't actually say cajeta on the bottle. It just says caramel topping made with goat's milk. There you go. All right, the rest of the ingredients are six tablespoons of sugar, five tablespoons, which is an ounce and a half of all-purpose flour, an eighth of a teaspoon of baking soda, an eighth of a teaspoon of regular salt, a third of a cup of bittersweet chocolate chips. That's two ounces. And I am using the Ghirardelli 60% cocoa for mine. It's not really bitter, but it's called bittersweet and it's really nice and dark without being too bitter. And in fact, I'm using these in almost everything I make anymore because I like them better than the semi-sweet ones. These have just a little more depth to them. A regular semi-sweet chips will do or something even with a little higher cocoa content would be okay. Or you could get yourself a 60% chocolate bar that you're supposed to eat and you could chop that up instead because we're just going to melt it and you only need two ounces which should leave a good portion of that chocolate bar for you to just eat because you're the cook and you get to do that. You need a quarter of a cup of whole milk, a quarter of a cup of Dutch processed cocoa powder. There's an article about what differentiates Dutch processed from regular non-Dutched or natural cocoa on my website, again, thecookalongpodcast.com, the gist of that is that Dutch processed cocoa has had the acids washed off of the chocolate. So it's not as sharp and it's actually more chocolatey because you don't have the taste of the acids on the outside diluting the flavor in your mouth of the chocolate. Anyway, the detail on that is a very short article, but it's kind of interesting and might enlighten how you use cocoa powder. 
You need two and a half tablespoons of vegetable oil. I'm going to be using canola. You need one large egg and a quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla extract. That's for the cake. Now, that sounds like a lot of ingredients, but it really isn't. Once we start putting that together, it's going to seem very simple what we're going to do. And then there's the flan, which, as I said, is like a custard. And for that, you need a cup of evaporated milk and a cup of sweetened condensed milk. You need three ounces of cream cheese. And I'm using a Neufchatel, which is a low-fat one because it's just what I always do. And it's a little softer and, you know, lower fat and tastes the same. It just doesn't have the same density. That's just an FYI. You can use whichever. You need two large eggs, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, and an eighth of a teaspoon of regular table salt. And I'm using sea salt because that is my table salt. Hopefully you've not heard anything in that list that's too daunting, except for perhaps the locating of the cajeta. And I want you not to be daunted by what I'm about to give you for the rest either, because there's a lot of equipment involved. Most of it you probably have, maybe even all of it. So just hold tight and let me give you some forewarning so you can figure out if you have what you need. You need six eight ounce ramekins. To me, that's the hardest thing on this list. I don't actually have eight ounce ramekins. I have 10 ounce ramekins. And then I just recently acquired some little eight ounce bunt pan things. You probably know what I'm talking about if you saw them. It looks like a large bunt pan, but they're just single serving things. And I am going to try that today just to see what happens. I only have four of those, so I'm also going to use a couple of my 10-ounce ramekins. None of those are ideal, but as long as they're not way off of that, you're probably going to be okay if you have some little bowls or something. But they do need to be as close to 8 ounces as you can get them in order to have the layers be the right depth and the magic to happen. You need some hand spray, vegetable oil spray. You need a 13 by 9 inch baking pan. You need a small bowl. You need a medium bowl. I think there's another bowl. Oh yeah, you need a four cup, either measuring cup or bowl, something that'll hold four cups of stuff. You need a small saucepan and a whisk and either a two quart saucepan or a large kettle to bring some water to a boil. I'm actually gonna use one of those plug-in electric automatic shut off kind of carafes and put my water in there to heat up so that I don't have to use up a stove burner for it. But just a way to boil about a quart of water. You need a blender. You need a fine mesh strainer or sieve and some aluminum foil and some tongs and a spatula. Although that is to lift the ramekins out of a pan of water. And I have a jar lifter. If you make jams or jellies or preserves or any kind of anything that you can, a canning jar lifter is probably your best friend here. But otherwise, you need some significant tongs and a spatula because we have to lift hot things out of a vat of hot water. <laughs> you need a wire rack 
for letting it cool and some kind of small paring knife or probably even I'm thinking a table knife, although a smaller knife is probably going to be easier to use to run around the outside of the cake to get it to turn over for you when we get to the end. And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead to things you can't picture yet, but you will shortly. The next thing I have to warn you about is the do-aheads, but fortunately that is easy. You have to do two things. You need to get your three ounces of cream cheese out early enough to soften a little bit if you're using the kind that is pretty stiff instead of the low-fat kind like I use. And you need to move your oven rack to the middle position of your oven and preheat your oven to 325 degrees. Actually, before I leave the do-ahead category, I think it wouldn't hurt for this recipe since there are a number of different components to get everything out and ready before you start. So if you want to look at that list, see it visually in order to be able to compile all of your ingredients, you will find the recipe and some photos of both the process and the final product on the Cook Along podcast under mini chocoflanes. For me, it's easier to see things in print when I'm actually trying to put a bunch of things together. And I'm a list maker anyway. So if you're the same, you can get that ingredient list I just read to you from the website. I'm going to set everything out here on my counter and have it all ready to go before we begin. And like I said, I recommend you do the same. By the way, those little tiny eighth teaspoons of salt and baking soda you can combine with the flour. And for that matter, you can combine the flour with the sugar. They're all going together to get stirred anyhow. You're going to find this super tasty and much easier than it may seem like at this moment in time. So don't panic. We're going to have fun and we're going to make something super delicious that also, fortunately, looks gorgeous when you serve it. Which is a good thing because I'm making it for company and it's company I want to impress. So I think this will do the trick. Go now and set out all your equipment and your ingredients and then come back and we'll get started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, let's get this party started. The first thing you want to do is spray all your ramekins. All of the little eight ounce things or whatever you're using need to be sprayed. I guess I should have done this before I came back to you because it's kind of loud. These are all those little four metal bunt pan things. It's going to be so interesting to see whether this actually does its thing in these. It'll be uh, messy if it doesn't because, like I said, I'm cooking this for company. And then my two regular glass ones. Okay. Now, the cajeta. We're going to measure six tablespoons of that into a small microwavable bowl. It's interesting stuff. It almost looks more chocolate than caramel. Because it looks like a really, really dark caramel. And I think that's a characteristic of the goat milk itself, which is not the same color really as cow's milk to start with. All right, this is going to take too long. I'm going to let you go do this. I'm sorry to leave you again so soon, but this is silly. I am going to go away. I won't put a commercial break in here, but I am going to go away and measure out the other four tablespoons here because it's too sticky and it's just going to take a minute. Sorry about that. You know, my usual MO is to clean out the measuring spoon with the forefinger of my left hand. And it's just too thick. <laughs> it was sticking in my finger. And then I couldn't use my finger to scoop the stuff out because it had stuff all over it. And it, it's just a little, it's a little thicker than I remembered. So it was a little tricky to get it out of there. But now it's ready to go. So what we want to do is put the bowl of cajeta in the microwave. And we're gonna microwave it for 10 to 15 seconds at a time. What we wanna do is to get rid of all that really super stickiness so that we can scoop some of it into these ramekins. Cause right now that would be really hard. We need to be able to measure how much is going in. That was certainly not enough to do anything. Okay, let's try 15 seconds. Because in theory, you know, we got six tablespoons of this stuff and we want only a tablespoon in each ramekin. There's no way you could really get that in here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So it's much more soupy now. That was a total of 25 seconds. Now we need the measuring spoon back. And what we're going to do is put one tablespoon kind of drizzled around in each of these little ramekins. Okay. So for me, I've got a little bump where the bunt pan comes up. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to do, but like I said, keep my fingers crossed. Now, the reason we didn't put it right into these ramekins is because if you'd done it, you'd get a clump of the sticky stuff and it wouldn't spread out. And you really want it to spread out. So we had to thin it a little bit, 
by heating it up. I am presently drizzling it over the bump in my bunt pan thingies and then around in the bottom there. See what I don't know is using this shape whether the chemistry will make it do what it's supposed to do. And in my regular glass ones it's not an issue at all. And you shouldn't have any trouble with it either. I hope you have some little bowls or something that are the right size. And then the last one. I don't want to short it. So I want to make sure I get all this out here. And then I'm afraid I'm back to cleaning out the measuring spoon with my finger again. Because I don't want to leave any in the measuring spoon. That would be wasteful. Ta-da! A tablespoon is much more than you think it is. It sounds like not very much, but you'll see how much it spreads out in the bottom of your ramekin bowl things. Next step, you're going to take the sugar, the flour, the baking soda, and the salt and put them together into a bowl. It doesn't have to be a huge bowl. This is not a lot of stuff here, but whisk it together. And have it ready to pour. So don't let it get too far away from you. And then you want your small saucepan into which you're going to put the chocolate chips, the milk, and the Dutch cocoa. And then we're going to just stir that up as it heats up over low heat. So turn your burner on to just low Get yourself a silicone spatula or a wooden spoon or whatever. And we're just going to let this stuff melt, which is probably going to take three to five minutes. All right, here I'm going to send you off on your own. You've got all these things in your saucepan. You're waiting for the chocolate to be completely melted and your mixture is nice and smooth. And like I said, three to five minutes for that. And then you're going to take that pan off the heat and set a timer for five more minutes so that it can cool because we have to add an egg to it and we don't want to cook the egg. So after the five minutes of cooking and the five minutes of cooling, come on back. All right, now we've got a sort of thick chocolate paste and this is where your whisk is gonna come in. You used it on the flour a little bit ago. Now we're gonna use it in here. So into this mixture, this chocolate paste, you're going to pour the oil and the vanilla, quarter of a teaspoon of that, which I have to do really carefully or it just dribbles down the outside of my bottle. Oh, I did it that time. That's unusual, just so you know. And the egg. I'll go in here and then we're going to whisk that up. It's a little tricky at first because that chocolate is so thick. But it goes. There we go. Get it nice and smooth. Now because I used a small pan for this, I can't do what I should be doing because I forgot I needed a bigger pan. What you're actually supposed to do at this point is stir the dry ingredients into this chocolate. But my dry ingredients are in a bigger bowl and my chocolate is in a small pan. So I'm going to have to go the other direction. 
Hopefully that won't change anything. I'll try to get all the chocolate off of this whisk now. That's the trouble with whisks. They do their work really well. But then they keep some of the good stuff for themselves. It's hard to get it out away from them. <laughs> Give me that chocolate. Not throwing away good chocolate. Putting the chocolate mixture with the dry ingredients. And then we're going to use that whisk again. And keep your silicone spatula or spoon handy because we're going to need to scrape the bowl down a couple of times to make sure it's all getting mixed in well. I'm trying to get all this chocolate out of the pan. I just don't see the point in having dealt with all of these good ingredients and then leaving it behind in the pan. You've probably heard me talk about that before. A lot of cooking videos, they like pour things in and never even scrape the bowl. Me, I want every last bit out of whatever the receptacle is before I give it up. All right, now whisking that together with the dry stuff. And what we're gonna end up with is the cake batter. It probably would have been better to do it the other way because now I have this sort of wet clump that the flour just wants to move around the outside of. My bad, we all do things sometimes not the exact right way. And most of the time, you'll get something good to eat anyhow. And if you're really pretty sure you won't, you know, it's okay to start over if you need to. No shame in that. And probably not that much money into the ingredients either. I mean, if you think about it, we've put a number of different things into this chocolate mixture and cake batter. Yet most of them were pretty inexpensive and small amounts. So... If we had to start over, we could. I'm really glad we don't. Now, of course, we have to get it back off the whisk again. Okay, I'm gonna make loud noises here. Now what we wanna do is take about a scant third of a cup of this and put it into each of those ramekins. So I'm gonna actually use a third of a cup measure just because I don't want to shortchange anybody. And this is going into those ramekins on top of the caramel. This is layer two. And when we put it in here, it's kind of at the bottom, or mostly kind of at the bottom, right in over the caramel and kind of spread that around. Well, I'm gonna shake it a little bit to kind of even it out. And you know what? I'm going to leave you to this as well. There's no point in hanging out with me. It's going to take you a minute to put a little bit shy of a third of a cup into each of these bowls, even it out at the end if you have to. And then pick up your ramekins and put them in that empty 9 by 13 pan. And if you haven't already started your water boiling, it's time. just discovered that my fancy new bunt pan whatcha jiggies don't actually fit inside my 9 by 13 pan which is um really unfortunate because I don't really have anything bigger so I think I'm just gonna let it be they're sitting on top of each other a little bit but just the edges I mean I think it'll hopefully it'll still be all right ay 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 the things you don't know if you don't try them ahead of time the final step 
is the flan. So as I said, you want to be sure that your water is starting to boil. You're going to want it hot in a few minutes. And we're going to take your blender now and pour in the rest of the ingredients. So we've got the cup of evaporated milk. Pour that into the blender. And then you also want to scoop a cup of the sweetened condensed milk into that blender. There's a lot of milk in this recipe, isn't there? Three different kinds of milk. Well, and then the cream cheese, I guess, which is going in next, is also a milk product. I guess if you're a non-dairy person, this is really, really not for you. <laughs> so go ahead and put that cream cheese in there. And then we're going to add two eggs to that, which I'm going to crack into a little bowl here so that I don't accidentally get any shell in the main mixture. In that goes, and then two teaspoons of vanilla extract. So you can see this is going to be a major part of the flavor because that's quite a lot of vanilla. And yes, this time it is dripping down the outside of the bottle. It's what happens. And about an eighth of a teaspoon of salt. And once that's all in the blender, put the lid on and blend it until smooth. Maybe 30 seconds or so, we may have to stop and scrape down the sides. Let's start it kind of slowly. All right. I'm not doing that at a really high speed. I don't think it's necessary. It's all mixed together. Now, this gets put through a sieve. So I need a bowl big enough to hold all of that. Or you know what? This is where that four cup measuring cup thing, and that'll be easier because we're gonna pour it out of here with a sieve over the top. Looks like a milkshake. Into that measuring cup with a pour spout through the sieve. I'm gonna pour all of this. I don't know what it's gonna weed out exactly. I don't feel like there's anything lumpy in there, although I guess if the cream cheese hasn't dissolved, it might catch that. Scrape all this out of this blender. Now you can probably guess what the next step is. Get rid of the sieve. And we're going to pour this on top of each of these little ramekins of cake batter. And it's going to take about two-thirds of a cup each. Okay, what you want to do is take your boiling water which if you are fortunate enough to have boiled it in a pitcher the way I did in a, a carafe is easy to pour. You want to pour it into the 9 by 13 inch pan without getting any of that water inside your ramekins. The water should come about halfway up your ramekins. And since my ramekins don't touch the bottom, all right, well, I'm being stupid about this. I will just take two of those out and put them in a different pan. This is probably what I ought to have done from the beginning when I noticed they weren't going to fit. Wouldn't that have been much smarter? You'd think I would have figured that out. Taking this one and this one out. And I'm putting those into a little 9 by 9 inch pan. And that way everything can sit down at the bottom, which means I need some more boiling water. Fortunately, these pots heat things pretty fast, so it won't take me very long. 
heat up some more water. It's kind of silly, really, when you think about it, that it takes me that long to come up with what's ultimately a very simple solution. And meanwhile, I spilled a little of my flan because the ramekins were tipped. Anyway, I am going to go ahead and start this. What you want to do now is cover that pan with foil. Loud noise coming. You want to seal that around there so that we're kind of steaming things. So curl it down over the edges. Now, this is the tricky part. We have to be able to lift that without spilling anything and get it into the oven on that middle shelf that we prepared. And it's preheated to 325. Ah, and the pan is hot now because I put hot water in it and it's metal. Live and learn. So without spilling the water or the ramekins, that is now going okay. Yeah. Mmm, more slowly. Onto the middle rack of my oven. You just move really slowly because you can't really see whether you're spilling anything or not. So just assume you're about to spill something and move slowly. And in a few seconds, I will have boiling water for the second pan here as well. You can hear it starting to come to a boil. All right, I've got the boiling water for my second pan now. And I'm going to just pour it because I didn't really measure it until it's about halfway up the side of these ramekins. And then put the foil over that one. which is also metal and also hot. And move that one also very carefully onto the middle rack of the oven. Oh, please don't be spilling anything. Uh, no way to know until it comes out. Now, whew, set a timer for 35 minutes. And at 35 minutes, what we're gonna do is peel back that foil a little bit and check and see if when you insert a toothpick, it comes out with only a few moist crumbs, get this, of cake attached. Because by that point, the cake will be on the top. So you don't want to poke the thing all the way down in or you'll get goopy stuff because that's where the custard is going to go. But you do need to get into the cake and it's done when only a few little crumbs come off on the toothpick. And I'm going to tell you how this is going to go when we get there. I know it's a half an hour away, but let's talk about it because it's a little awkward to do this. And I want to be sure you have thought through how you want to do it. You see now that we have these ramekins in this pan of hot water and it's only going to get hotter as it's there in the oven. So the first thing we have to do when it comes out of the oven is remove the foil, which you got to do carefully because it's hot. The second thing and this is the hard part that I want you to think about, is to get those ramekins out of the hot water and onto a cooling rack. Now, what I'm going to use, as I mentioned earlier, is a jar lifter, which is a gadget that you use when you're canning that enables you to pick a jar up out of hot water. We have to use either a jar lifter like that or some kitchen tongs, which are tricky, because they may be slippery, but you need to grab the top of the bowl. If you're using kitchen tongs, you need to grab the top of the bowl and then slide a spatula underneath the bowl. So you have a shelf under it with the spatula and the tongs holding the top and then use that to move it to the cooling rack. 
It's a bit of an anxious moment is what it is. It's a little bit difficult, but I, I have faith that we'll be able to do this without losing a jar because that's the worst case scenario is that it will slip away from the tongs and off the spatula and land on the floor in a huge mess. So think about this. Make your plan. You could even practice, you know, picking up something empty, some sort of plastic container or even a coffee mug or something. So you have a sense of how you're going to be able to move those things out of the hot water and onto the cooling rack. And you're going to let it sit there either until it's just warm, which will take you about an hour, or until it's cool. If you're not going to serve it tonight, you can cool it all the way. And then we can wrap it up and put it in the refrigerator to serve anywhere up to four days from now. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not serving this to company for two days. So I'm going to have it in my fridge and then I'll have to warm it back up. But you know what? I'll talk to you about that when we get back. I am going to go away for the 30 minutes that remain of the cooking time. And then I'll come back and we'll see what we can do about transferring these puppies over to the cooling rack. Okay, it's time to pull these out, and we want to be super careful in pulling them out because they're still full of water, and the cake may be at the top, but that doesn't mean they're not likely to spill. So take it out really, really slowly and carefully, and then make sure when you lift the foil to put your toothpick in one of them that you lift the side away from you rather than toward you so that steam doesn't blow up in your face because it's going to be really hot. So now we have a cake there. And I put this in. Whoa, you know what? This is done. 35 minutes. I get a few crumbs back. So that was the little pan. Now I'm going to take the big pan out. That one went in a couple of minutes earlier, so I'm sure it's done as well. Oh, they're so heavy with all that water in them. And sometimes when something's that heavy in this size pan, it's a lasagna or something that doesn't um, spill, you know? Right, picking up the far side of the foil on this one as well. They all have a kind of a white cream coating on the top, which is not very pretty, but it doesn't matter because that's going to go on the bottom when we actually serve these up. Right now, here we go. Here we go with what could be the tricky part. You take the foil completely off and get your jar puller upper or your tongs and spatula oh yeah my jar puller upper is going to work on some of these and not on the other oh, you know what it may not work on any of them all right never mind here i thought i was being so clever and um having fancier tools and i don't so i too i'm going to use tongs and a really sturdy metal spatula and I'm going to just try picking it up from the bottom or with the edge here and scoop my spatula underneath it. Okay, now I'm just using the tongs to sort of steady the bowl as I carry it over to my cooling rack, which unfortunately is on the other side of the kitchen. How smart was that? Too late now. All right, under the second one. The cake on top seems quite spongy. As I said, it's really not attractive to look at. 
because some of the custard is still sitting there on the top just in this thin little spiderweb layer. And you know, that could be partly because my containers are not your traditional plain straight-sided ramekins that one of them is shaped like a bunt cake <laughs> and the other <gasps> shoot oh no don't do that there we go upside down mm, turning it right side up again I don't want it to come out of here now no 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 uh, yeah well there it is well you can see what it's supposed to do I'm gonna actually try putting it back in here <laughs> Okay, and in doing that, I lost another one, and this one went all over the floor. Oh, this makes me very sad. Cindy, you think you're so smart. Yeah, that was just boneheaded. Well, welcome to my kitchen, where boneheaded things do happen. I can tell you this from what just happened. It's going to be pretty, the ones that I didn't just mess up. And fortunately, I have only four people I need to serve for dinner, and... So far, knock on wood, I've only messed up two of them. Okay, too hot to pick up. Oh, dear me. Well, I'll take a picture of the good ones and of the bad ones. <laughs> because, because, why not? Okay. Oh, Lord. Dag nabbit. <sighs> All right, let's try this again. Let's see if I can scoop some of this first one that fell out back into its ramekin. <laughs> okay. Well, the flan is now where it's supposed to be, and the cake is on top. <laughs> I'll just eat this one. I'll just, I just will eat this one, and no one will know. Oh, yes, they will, but not if I don't serve it at the table. I'll serve mine in, in the kitchen, and they'll never know. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, okay, so on the website, I'm going to show a, a picture of the four that came out. Four? Did I get four? <laughs> yeah, I did. I got four. I think I said that, actually. Yeah, there's four that came out right, and then two that I completely made quite literally hash of. <laughs> yeah. Well, so now here I go back, because you live and learn. Here I go back to try to do the same thing again. It's just dumb. Don't call me the brightest bulb in the shed or <laughs> sharpest tool in the closet. <laughs> mm, okay. Now that worked all right. If I can just get four of them that look right, that would be great. Because I can eat the other ones, the messy ones, as leftovers. Of course, I do have caramel sauce all over my kitchen floor now. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't go anywhere. Just go right there. <gasps> Part of the problem is that the ramekins are really slick. So when I set them on the cooking rack, they slide. And, uh, yeah, one of them slid right off. And the other one I lost before I even got as far as the cooling rack. Okay, I'm stopping to take a picture before more of them slide off. You better get at least a picture of what they're supposed to look like at this stage. Okay, they're the ones that came out right. And here are the two I made a hash of. <laughs> oh, Lordy. 
Oh, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get all this caramel off my floor. Turns out that tablespoon of caramel is actually quite a lot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that I am going to put these in my refrigerator so that I can serve them in two days. And the way that happens is that I'm going to cover them with plastic wrap really tightly and stick them in the refrigerator. And then when I'm about to serve them, I will pull them out with the plastic wrap on them and microwave them. I probably need to take the plastic wrap off. I just realized, I just realized I made them in metal containers. So I guess I'm not going to microwave them. I'll have to find a different way to heat them up. But for you who may have been smart enough to do them in glass containers, you're going to microwave them on high power for just 10 or 15 seconds. But then what you're going to do is take them and turn them. You, you take your little paring knife or your table knife and run your knife around the edges of the cake to loosen it from the sides. And then with it warm, you turn it onto a plate. You need to turn it upside down. So put the plate on top of the little cake and then turn your whole ramekin along with the plate upside down so that the ramekin is now resting on the plate and then carefully remove the ramekin and you will have this little mountain, probably a flat top mountain if you have a standard ramekin, with flan and caramel dripping down the sides. The flan should be sturdy and sort of a little stiff and the caramel will be drippy and oozy and running down the sides as a sauce. I have to go now. I have to figure out how to get all this caramel off my floor before it gets hyper sticky. I hope that you've enjoyed this recipe. I hope you will try the recipe and that you are smarter than I was about what to put it into and how to move it and how close your cooling rack is to your stove. Tell your friends, tell a friend, tell anybody, tell somebody that you like and listen to the Cook Along podcast. And tune in two weeks from today for another new recipe and a week from now for a Quick Bite podcast. And until next time, happy cooking. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Kofi ko-fi.com slash the cook along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.